Hello there ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast, it's the football podcast. And we're all here and we're all talking football. There's going to be games from last week, games to preview, news and anything else that's been going on in the football world. Before we get started with the podcast, if I can take a moment of your time to please ask that if you've got a second, click that subscribe button and... uh, you know, wherever you get in your podcasts, you just uh, just click it and uh, magic things happen. It's true. Uh, we've been uh, branching out with the podcast. You can now get the podcast on Spotify and Amazon Music. So uh, we're, we're getting everywhere now. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get started with the podcast. So here we go. This is CookieCast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. Paul, she's playing your tune. He certainly is. Uh, welcome along, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the the recording stopped. Uh, the, sorry, the recording started just after uh, one of our guests this week was making a beautiful face. So sadly, you won't be able to see that for those of you that are tucking in on the, the YouTube basis. But yes, welcome along, ladies and gentlemen. It's another week of your uh, football-based Update. I don't really. Is that was that a spider? Yeah, I have all I have all animals on 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 the football Excellent. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another small um, uh, uh, confusion there. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's, your, it's your weekly football update. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so we'll we'll chat some borough. We'll chat some. We'll chat some Nottingham Forest. Uh, we might even chat some England. As, uh, as something happened uh, last Friday that's uh, probably quite important from an international football perspective. So I'm assuming we'll get to that later on. But but yes, as we're all gathered here, Andrew, why don't we discuss last week's games? Okay. Um, at time of recording, at current literal to the minute time of recording, uh, some of the games are still in play. However, we can get you up to halfway point um, with Hull City taking on Uddersfield Town. Stu, how did this one pan out for Hull City? Uh, Not particularly well. So, um, Tommy decided to get himself booked pretty cheaply twice. The second time being in the injury time of the first half. So Hull had to play the entire second half with 10 men. And it was probably only a matter of time before they conceded. Um, I, I would say that they did pretty well to get to 79 minutes without conceding. But at that point, it did happen. So it was a Toffolo scored for Huddersfield. Ingram saved a uh, sort of fairly long range shot and palmed it out wide but Toffolo was following up and uh, smashed it in for the 1-0 win to keep Huddersfield's playoff dream in the uh, in the balance but more disappointingly Hull have now lost six straight games at home um, that is equal to club record which is back from the 92-93 season so it's it's not it's not good reading at the moment um, slightly more positively they are 20th still so they're 12 points clear of the relegation zone with about 6 games I think to go so mathematically they've still got time to absolutely goose it or as it's now become known doing an Everton almost um, but yeah I'm I'm not too worried about them going down just yet but I can't rule it out shall we say I think I think it would take a spectacular effort from <clears throat> Barnsley or Derby. I don't can Peterborough catch them? I don't know if they can, can they? Uh, I don't think. Oh, let me just. I can. I can have a look. I don't think. points. No, Pete, Peterborough are on. Uh, 
No, yeah. so, so, so technically Peterborough can still catch them, but they'd have to literally win all. They'd have to win five of their last six and hope hold up pick up a single point. They have to win and five of the last six, which would mean double the amount of games that they've won all season. So that would be, and I think that's <laughs> the kind of general kind of thing of that these clubs would have to win. Like apart from <clears throat> the other Eastern Midlands club in the division. Um, yeah, they've not won six games. Well, they've won six games. What Coventry? <laughs> Midlands. They're West Midlands. They're still counting the West Midlands. I am. I am also a little bit more reassured by the fact that Peterborough have a goal difference of minus forty-eight. Wow! Yeah. Just in case. But yeah, I'm. I mean, it'd be nice if they could just pick up a few more points before the end of the season. But ultimately, for the purposes of the book, yeah, 1-0 Huddersfield, Toffolo was the goal scorer. So, for the purpose of the book, um, Paul, straight off the bat, you predicted Huddersfield with a dominant win. Uh, not not quite enough to pick up the two full points, uh, so just one point for you. You didn't get the goal scorer. Stu, you followed suit with Paul, Predicting uh, a nil-two, did not get the goal scorer, but do get a point for the score. Um, and then there's me and Matt at the bottom of that game because Matt went with a one-one, didn't get the goal scorer, and I had Hull to win. So there's that. I wish they'd listen to you a little bit more on me sometimes. To be honest. Me too. Uh, so Blackpool. Went up against Nottingham Forest. Matt, anything, anything really happen in this game? Anything? Nah, boring. Just nothing much happened at all, really. Um, just, just the, just the four-one win to Forest. Um, I was busy clearing out the garage, ready for the kitchen to be delivered. Um, luckily, I had the old iPad on the uh, treadmill. Not on the treadmill. I was not on the treadmill. The iPad was on the treadmill, and that's about as much as has been on the treadmill in a long time. But, uh, but at least something was on the treadmill. Um, just in time to see the third Forest goal scored by Brennan Johnson. But if we quickly rewind back, um, so Zinkenagel got things uh, started off um, with a, a bit of a deflected goal. Uh, Brennan Johnson got the second one with a very nice finish. Then he got the third one, which was a nice little dink over the top of the uh, keeper as the finish. And then Sam Surridge came on and got the fourth. Um, and then, unfortunately, just to kind of blot the copybook, we'll make sure that it had the most goals in uh, in the in, in all, of all the games uh, we covered this week. Um, Blackpool got one from Connolly. So, with a I should four. just say, sorry, at the end of it, the Blackpool manager said the better team didn't win. Uh, I beg to differ with that one. Can <laughs> <laughs> you really say that when you're going in half-time 3 0 down after you've been absolutely outplayed for the first 25 minutes? Um, my, my dad was up and he went, up oh. And uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, dad, that's about right. Yeah, that's just, just what? <laughs> just talking absolute bullshit. I mean, that. Like, the only way that could possibly be justified is if he meant the better team didn't win the second half. That is the <laughs> only way that, gave, that comment is justified. It's just, it's just absolute nonsense. I mean, like, anyone who watched that game could see that in the first half, Blackpool were absolutely blown away. It wasn't even a competition. They were absolutely dreadful. The second oh. half was a bit more competitive, but I wouldn't say undoubtedly the better team kind of, you know, lost the second half either. Uh, Paul, do you have any uh, any particular thanks you want to send out from this game? Well, a few of us were out for a few light a light refreshments on uh, on Saturday, shall we say. Uh, and uh, one of one of the one of the participants was Nottingham Forest fan Mr. James Panas. So obviously we started. We st- we began the session at a, uh, at a an establishment that may have had both delicious, refreshing beverages and access to football-based televisions. 
and uh, we just happened to watch and I thought that Mr Zinkenagel had started the game pretty well so I had an in-play bet for it to score the first goal and I was rather well rewarded so yes Cheers Phil <clears throat> So with 4-1 the closest to getting the two points for the score was uh, Stuart Mansey just pipped at the post with a with a 3-1 Um Paul, you get a point for your score, but unfortunately that's where your points end. Stu, you get a point for the score, and Picking Johnson picks you up a second point. Matt, also close with a predicted score, but unfortunately only one point there. Uh, you also predicted Johnson to score. I had Nottingham Forest down to win. But as we know, if there's one man that likes a Johnson Zinkenagel double, it's uh, it's this guy. So I picked up two points for goal scorers. Three points from the game. Paul. Peterborough have been mentioned already. But let's talk about Middlesbrough and what happened between Peterborough and Middlesbrough. Well... Obviously spurred on by what they'd seen earlier in the in the day at, uh, down by the seaside, uh, they decided to uh, take that and go <laughs> one bet by not conceding after they'd scored four goals. So yes, Middlesbrough managed to put four past the posh. We were all. Uh, I, I actually found out about the first goal. Not from, not from a, not from a television source. Not from a, a, a notification of a goal from from the Sky Sports app or anything like that. It was actually a text from our our good colleague, Mr. Stuart Woodmansey, saying something about barn doors, I believe, being uh, being smashed to pieces, as uh, it was his good friend Marcus Tavernier who opened the goal scoring. And uh, what a lovely finish it was, Bill. It was, a, it was a beautiful little thing. It just passed into his path. And then he just, and then just like scooped it into the corner. Keeper was nowhere. Uh, so yeah, he opened the scoring. I'm still not uh, convinced it wasn't an accident. I, <laughs> of course. The second goal, I believe, was scored by Falarin Balogun. On a little bit of a rich vein of form. Um, the third was a Josh Coburn bundled finish. And the fourth was a just a sort of an injury time, not even a consolation, just a cherry on top by Duncan Watmore. Duncan Watmore. What more could you ask for? What more could some of us ask for? Uh, again, Paul, very, very close on this one. You predicted a 3-0. Uh, so just one point there. However... You predicted both Balogun and Duncan Watmore to score. So three mighty points. Stu, you just had a 1-0. Uh, you didn't get a goal scorer, so that's just one point for you. Uh, Matt, you had a 2-1 down. A point for the score. Uh, no goal scorers, I'm afraid. I had Middlesbrough down to win 1-0. And I did not get the goal scorer. Uh, so at the halfway point for the week, the scores look like this. Matt, you are bringing up the rear with three points. Uh, myself and Stu tied for second place currently, four points apiece. And out in front, the leader of the pack, Paul Williams, five points. But still two games to play, or currently being played so we'll have to switch away from uh, them their scores and do something else like take a break a break may be the best solution yes build that tension do, like live breaking news on the podcast result if you want well, I could also do this. 
Your I'm, game's still going, though. I mean, no, my, my game is my game is one hundred percent finished. I mean, the suspense that we are building right here and now before going into the break—it's up there. Obviously, for the listener stroke watcher, a break is like you know, it's half a second, but uh, for us, it's a little bit longer than that. So we'll be back with some almost live scores, news, and anything else that we can think of. We'll be right back. Recording in progress. No, no spiders to show this time. <laughs> well, both the both the late week games have now concluded. So it depends, Andrew, what you've got written in your book first. So what I've got written in my book is the 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 second half of the games. Yes. Just two to catch up on. The first of those two, Middlesbrough, going up against Fulham. Not half ham, full ham. Uh, how how was this one then? Uh, it was it was an entertaining game. Uh, I believe Stu might have even said this earlier. It was yeah for for the neutral who had nothing in the uh, in, nothing invested. It was it was very good. Probably an entertaining watch. Mm. Um, Fulham took the lead uh, midway through the second half with a what looked like it was a very well worked uh, free kick routine where Mitrovic just sort of peeled off he, I didn't realise it at first but he, he must have come from about like the, the back end of the of the wall and pretty much ran like the full width of the pitch but you know in an arc to come through completely unmarked and just head the ball in um, the bullet header as well to be fair Absolutely. that remained the only goal as Fulham go away with a one-nil win, that was not what we were looking for. No, Paul, you predicted a Desmond. Uh, luckily, you brought it back by uh, predicting not one but two Mitrovic goals. Gets you a point there, uh, Stu. You had Fulham down to win. Obviously, it does get you a point. And no surprises to anybody. Mitrovic to score. Matt, even further down the line, uh, you definitely had Fulham down to win. Uh, you also predicted Mitrovic to score. And then the uh, the hopeful of us have uh, Middlesbrough down to win. Don't, don't, don't get any point. But it's fine, because that's not the only game left for us to cover. Nottingham Forest went up against Coventry City. Matt, anything from this one? Well, in a, in a, in a, in a scrappy game, to be fair, um, Forest, uh, Forest have still come out 2-0 winners. So, it was a bit scrappy. It, was a bit, it wasn't quite as fluent as a performance as the weekend but um kind of Brennan Johnson got the got the got Forrest off the mark with a scrappy goal I would say as sublime as his two finishes were at the weekend this this was not so much it was a bit of a kind of scrap and then a kind of bit of a toe bunt into the roof of the net kind of from a yard out kind of thing so and then um and then James Garner scored the second with an excellent finish I missed it because I was setting up the laptop to, to record the podcast and of course with the sky feed on like the red button or behind the thing don't get replays so all you hear is a bit of a cheer and everybody walk, and, and then like it's, it's always quite amusing because all you do is get the, the sad trudge of the team that have conceded walking back <laughs> to the halfway line it's a really miserable scene as they kind of the celebrations go elsewhere, so they kind of they kind of peter out, and then you see the sad trudge of eleven men to the halfway line. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a bit miserable, isn't it? But yeah, so I haven't seen the goal, but yes, James Garner getting the second one. So, here's the question: Does this game give us a clear winner for the week? 
Well, Paul, you predicted a draw. You did not predict either of the Forest goal scorers. No points for you, I'm afraid. Stu, you predicted a Forest win. Just 1-0, though, so just the point, And you didn't get either of the scorers. So that's where your scoring ends. Matt, you predicted a Desmond. Um, luckily for you, not all hope was lost by predicting Ghana to score. So just one point there. And then there's this guy. Who loves nothing more than putting Forrest down to win 2-0. And then, there's nothing more than predicting Johnson to score one of those goals. So. Has anybody been keeping score? I have. It's very much a tie in a lot of ways. Because there is only first and second this week. Paul and Matt, you are tied for second place. Six points each. Myself and Stu will be fighting to the death for first, with seven points each. Whilst, whilst you were going through them scores, I just actually realised that the one week that I could have put an acker on all five games and had the winning team each time, yeah, I definitely didn't do that. <laughs> Damn it. So, where are we going next? Uh, well, as as there's only very few games to predict, why don't we get the predictions out of the way so we can have a lovely chat about the news and what's been going on. So, there is only two games, which after the weeks we've had seems unusual to just have two games. Also, there are three teams, so there's only one way to get two games out of three teams, and that is to have a podcast derby. That's right, Middlesbrough go up against Hull City in a little thing we like to call the podcast derby. Now then, as it is two of these gentlemen's teams, uh, they will have to decide who's picking last last out of the two last picks. I've already put a little something down in the book. So Matt, why don't you furnish us with what you think is going to happen in this game? I've gone with a Middlesbrough 2-1 win. I think they're going to try in after their, after their loss this afternoon. This afternoon. Well, this evening, kind of try and bounce back. Obviously, what was it, nine games on the trot league one at home or something like that. Kind of a bit of a bounce back. Um, yeah, 2-1 win. Balogun and Sparrow for the Borough. And my main man, who I haven't picked in a while, I think he's feeling a bit hard done to. Honey man to get that kind of, that, that, that consolation goal. See, I, th- I like what you've gone with there, Matt. Um, because... I've gone with Middlesbrough 2-1. Um, I've gone with Spora. Watmore. And KLP. So, uh, I, feel, I feel, you know, similar but different. So we didn't cheat before anybody starts throwing those accusations around. So, Stu, Paul, who's going first last? I'll I'll go first because Paul's the home team. So okay. well, I was going to say as the away team, I was going to let you have uh, you have choice of first or second. Nah, I would say home advantage, but I mean it's pretty clear that you're actually not even going to need that. You guys are way more optimistic than I I am because I don't think we'll even score. So I've just very simply gone for Middlesbrough two, full nil. I've gone for Crooks. And Balogun to score. It surprised me that Balogun didn't get brought on tonight after being in recent bit, bit of good form of late. So why not get that good form back against effectively a very average to shit football team at the weekend? So plus they do owe us two goals from you know when we beat them two 0 in October. So there is that. If we can be twos all for the season, I'll be happy. 
Paul. Uh, so we had a mirroring of scores for the first two picks. Uh, and it's the same for the last two picks, as I also think it will be 2-0. But just, just for Stew, I think I'm going to have to pick Tavernier and Watmore to score the goals. His favourite two players combining. Uh, and if anything, what? 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 You don't mind what more? Every time I see him, he looks more and more like Nick Barnby. So, you know, he's becoming endearing of sorts. You said that you were, you hated him because he was a proper little moaning bastard. and yeah, he was when he played against us. He was when he played against us. But the more I see of him, the more he's actually becoming one of those players that, if he's on your team... I think you'd quite enjoy watching him, but if he's against you, you just want to kick his head in. <laughs> Good to know. But uh, yes, uh, hopefully we'll get a what more Tavernier double and they'll celebrate both right in front of the whole fans just to sort of add extra extra shithousery points to the uh, to the to the score. Interesting. Well, as I said, only two games to predict, and we've predicted two-thirds of the teams, so that can only leave Nottingham Forest going up against Birmingham City. So, just so there's no confusion. I mean, one of you guys could have picked my score if you like, just just to see if we're, uh, if we're all on the same page here, but uh, no surprises, it's a 2-0 Nottingham Forest win, absolutely. And uh, anybody anybody think that Johnson and Zinkenagel were written down on this page? Because they are. Oh, they are. <laughs> Matt, you will pick last. So, Stu. Uh, I've gone for Nottingham Forest 2, Birmingham 1. So, I've gone for Davis and Spence. And there was only one name I was ever going to pick for Birmingham. Hogan. There we go. Paul. 3 0 home win, please. Oh. Wow. Birmingham, to all intents and purposes, from their own supporters, sound like they've basically just checked out for the season. Uh, they've got enough points to be safe. They haven't got enough points to be challenging the playoffs, so they're very much in that coasting from now until the end of the season mode. Um, I'll go for. Johnson, as he seems to be in a bit of a hot streak. In fact, he's taking down for two. Uh, and old Philly Zinks for the for the third. That's known as a cookie special, that one. Go on, Matt. Tell us how it's really happening. <clears throat> I have gone with a bit like Stu's. I've gone with a Forest 2-1 win. Um, Johnson and Davis to score uh, for Forest. Uh, and Troy Deeney to get one. So apparently he's on his way back. But couldn't force his way into the team because Lyle Taylor was in such a rich vein of form. But uh, Lyle Taylor can't play on Saturday. So... Um, there you go. Troy Deeney. Boom. That's it. Just the two. All done and dusted. Predictions are finished. So, I presume that's going to take us swiftly to the news. You would have thought so. Um, I don't know about else, but it feels a bit light on news this week. Um, I couldn't really I find much. Had- a little bit of uh, championship based news when uh, oh. you want me to drop that open with that if you want then drop we'll go to the World Cup Pro. <laughs> so it was you know we, we've, we've talked about it just just the odd time on the podcast about how our to put it like the disdain for a certain Midlands based club as, as Matt may, may test Coventry it, yeah, we discussed this earlier yeah, Coventry yeah uh-huh. It was revealed that Chris Kirshner is the confirmed uh, as, as confirmed as the preferred bidder 
to take over at Derby. However, Derby fans, strap yourselves in because the bid does not include ownership of the stadium. Do we want to hazard a guess at still who might own that stadium should <laughs> that bid be, be successful? Does the it Uncle Melhouse? The stadium Uncle Melhouse. Does it? I was yeah. going to say. Does it? Does it rhyme with Bell? <laughs> and then I can't think of anything for Morris. Doris. Um, yeah, there you go. Bell Doris. <laughs> but is correct. Effectively, as much as Derby fans will probably want to string up Uncle Mel, he's still hanging around like that bad smell that you just can't get rid of because he will own the stadium that they are playing in should that bid go through as it's been laid out. So just to clarify, he can sell the club, keep the rights to the stadium, and therefore charge them rent to play games there. He is a genius. I'm pretty sure that's not how Derby fans will be describing him right now. However... He wanted like 30 million, was it? 30 to 50 million for the stadium. Which is just amazing. It's generally just... (laughs) It's got a Starbucks in it. It's worth every penny, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the the plot does thicken slightly because... uh, Kirshner himself hasn't been able to comment on the fact that he's uh, been accepted as the preferred bidder in the regards that he had to delete his Twitter earlier this week because he's he's another one where they've managed to dig up 10-year-old posts that might be deemed sexist and homophobic. So, uh, yeah, it's all, all looking rosy in Derby. I, f- I figured, figured Matt would appreciate a dose of uh, good news to kick off the new section. It, <laughs> It's great because he was the one who came out when the when the club first went up for sale and gave it the big licks and was like talking. I think the phrase could be deemed as copious amounts of shit towards Forest fans, um, and then was absolutely destroyed by people for a bit. So then he kind of like shuffled off, and then no doubt being the kind of vindictive types that most football fans are in these situations they probably dug around and found all these tweets and then saved them right for this moment because what you don't want to do is you don't want to kind of of use everything all at once shall we say kind of thing so uh, yeah congratulations Derby you might you might not go into administration but Christ almighty sounds like Uncle Mel Jr to be honest isn't there a possibility as well that if if it doesn't go through by a certain point, that they might have to start next season with a point deduction again. I think they're on a very, very tight deadline that he's the preferred bidder, but isn't it like a two-way street? So he gets the chance to actually dig around properly in the accounts now. Oh, well, you'd imagine that anyone who is a a perspective... yeah, prospective buyer would want to do <laughs> what two rounds of due diligence just to be on the safe side to see if there's any like you know crusty books that have been dug out of the fryer that have just been cooked slightly. I, I would I would say that I don't want to make assumptions here and perhaps you know, that kind of thing. The administrators have probably picked um, the most gullible idiot to buy the place would be the kind of thing and uh, probably pick the person who they think is probably not going to do the few, the most due diligence with it because for all of Mike Ashley's faults, shall we say? He's a he's businessman at the, end of the, the, at the end of the day, mate. He's, he's not, right. not going to plough money into something that he knows is a loser. He's going to go through it all like with a fine-tooth comb because one... He doesn't want to spend as much as he wants to spend as little money as possible as he possibly as, as, as he possibly can, buying them, taking on the debts, etc., etc. He's definitely not going to buy the club without the stadium, because that was the big sticking point when he bought Newcastle, and that's what delayed it. Is that he wanted the stadium included, um, and Shepherd wanted to keep the stadium, and he's like, hmm, no, 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 we don't do that. 
Um, so is you know, I would suggest that's why, um, like Ashley's not not been the preferred bidder because I think for the sake of possibly saving the club, um, they'll want someone who's just going to go. Oh yeah, fine, whatever. What do you want? There's the money. Let's go for it. Kind of thing, as opposed to kind of being like, no, no, we need to do this properly. Which, like I said, it's not always the way he does things. But I think when he knows his money's on the line with this one, he's probably going to do it properly. Um, so yeah, it'll be funny because I kind of get the feeling that we might be revisiting this soon. <laughs> it does. It does feel as if it's been like you know topic of conversation on more than a few podcasts this season. But yeah. yeah. Well it's been it's been in the news a lot because just when you think everything's done and dusted, they manage to dig up something else that they've been ropey about or you know, they they have got like a buyer that then because like, this guy like Matt was saying dropped out originally. Well this this is the thing that like so obviously not that I have a vested interest in it, but from like a Borough's fans' perspective, we were we were sort of like being you know looked at as the the terrible sort of people that were like you know trying to kick Derby while they were down and you know we were part of the problem why they were unable to come out of administration because according to a source within the club, the the, the ongoing lawsuits from Borough and Wickham were the only things stopping Derby from coming out of administration. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did Steve Gibson not settle out of court with this about two months ago? And did Wickham not do the exact same thing? So, you'd have thought where's, where's, where's this magical administration end that was promised when the uh, you know the nonsense that Middlesbrough and Wickham was spouting was you know brought to an end? The, 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 surely the biggest barrier to coming out of administration has actually just been the lack of money because that's. <laughs> I know Middlesbrough and Wickham haven't necessarily helped that cause, but Derby set themselves up for a fall in that respect anyway by being shit houses to start with. So, it is what I mean, it is. it's not, it's not, a, it's not a massively difficult sort of like thing to comprehend, is it? Don't spend what you don't have. The problem is, is that, that, is that it, not like a simple, a simple business model or something like that? It certainly is. I just think that's unfortunately football has been run like that for twenty years now. Yeah. I think I saw something. Well, I, I imagine since since the Premier League started, it's been the it's been the carrot that's been chased for. Isn't it? So. I'll have to I'll have to try and dig it out and I'll share it with you guys. And if I'm trying to think, there's like a a chart of spending in the two thousands. And it's just like a, just this bar chart, and it's just and you see this money. It's like, and Chelsea kind of go four billion. Like they they've spent four four point something billion in in that time. Like Man United have spent not far off that as well. They're like just behind, um, and it's just it's a mental amount of money that is spent. And I know they're successful clubs but you just it's when you see this chart you see it and then leads go and then they go straight off the end of this chart kind of thing because obviously not in the Premier League anymore it was it was quite funny because I know I know the exact one you're talking about and there was because I remember watching it actually because I think it's I think it's like a 15 minute video or something like that but it's basically just it is exactly that it's just charting the the spend of every Premier League club, and they, but it only ever does the top ten or fifteen or something like that. It's obviously constantly changing, and then you can just tell when teams drop out of the league because they, 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 the numbers are always going up and they just stop. And then you see their bar slowly getting closed in on by like somebody else's bar, and then overtaking them, and they drop and then they drop and then they drop. It happened to Borough, so I think Borough were in like the top eight spend or something like that, and then they got relegated in two thousand nine, and it was just a case of. Ding, 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 and then they just went off the page altogether. It was like, oh, it's <laughs> big business now. Sadly, 
it's not about the love of the game anymore. It's about the books that spent at the turnstiles in the in the club shop. So it's what it is. Oh, actually, as as we're talking about big money and football, what a perfect uh, what a perfect segue to uh, to get to the uh, the World Cup that's going to be taking place in December. Well, November in December. Sorry, of all things, uh, in I'm, Qatar. I'm... I'm assuming that to uh, host such a World Cup segment on a podcast on the Cookie Cast Network, you have sufficiently land Andy's pockets with gold to. Uh... Well, obviously, what what won't be what will be seen on this, but will be seen on the actual feed that goes out is the corporate sponsorship seg- uh, segment segment <laughs> that's uh, that's that's been uh, lucratively uh, handed out to the podcast for us uh, mentioning such. Such a such a world renowned sport. It's rumoured um, yes, that the World Cup Connery to do the voiceover as well. Well, yeah, there is that as well. But yes, the World Cup draw was done last Friday over in I believe it was in Doha, um, and England received what could be described as a fairly favourable group. They were paired with Iran, the United States of America. That's going to be tasty. Um, and one of Wales, Scotland, or the Ukraine, depending on who comes through that particular qualification path. So, yeah, a fairly a fairly handsome looking group, one that they should be able to qualify from without many hiccups. You'd imagine. It's always the way. This is England, though, so you know. I know. Like, everybody's getting excited because it might be might be Wales. I mean, without without meaning to be horrible about the current situation, I can't see it being Scotland or Ukraine because realistically, when the hell is that game ever going to get played? Well, yeah. Also, at this point, do you reckon it's do you reckon it's worth campaigning just to get the name changed to Bales? Yeah. I mean. They are basically a one-man nation at this point. Mm-hmm. The the entire I watched that Wales game um, against uh, was it Austria I think there's the the qualifier and ninety nine percent of the production before the match was let's talk to Gareth Bale let's talk to Gareth Bale's dad let's talk to Gareth Bale's mum let's talk to Gareth Bale's dog like it was just like anybody that's possible. Postman. Yep. Milk, milkman of his primary school teacher was probably about the the, the, the tenuous <laughs> thing they were approaching by the end. But honestly, like if that guy ever wants a job in the Welsh Parliament, I mean, surely he just has to clap after he's finished his football career because they, they they love him, absolutely love him. I mean, he can't he can't argue that they're a better team when he plays, but you would also like to hope that. <laughs> A team that are essentially based around one man who now essentially plays nothing more than part-time wouldn't beat England in the World Cup. But I'm pretty sure they've done that in the international competition before. So, you know, was it, was it the Euros about five years ago or so now? Well, it was Euro 2016. They actually England did actually beat them in the group stage. But then... Well, then Wales got. To but then the Wales went further. Wales went further in the to- in the tournament. They got to the semi-finals. Yeah. More fool England, obviously. The yes. You write about the the USA draw. I'm quite interested to see that because I think it'll be built up quite nicely. Because it, I think they'll build it as a good chance to see sort of how the MLS might have uh, come on since the last time they might have met, but. You'd, again, like you said, you'd like to think that England would would cope with that threat, um, but yeah, it's it's it is a favourable draw. But essentially, it's England, like you said, England or England. So it's also full of banana skins as well, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. So we'll we'll just have to wait and see. It's uh, it's a World Cup at the end of the day. There's always surprises and always shocks as well. So. I'd say that looking looking at the groups as well, 
like Group E is a is a tasty group. That's got Spain, Costa Rica or New Zealand, so probably Costa Rica, um, Germany and Japan. I mean that's a that's a group and a half. That. <laughs> that's just it's a, it's a spicy little meatball. That. Yes. Anything like Stu said, not <clears throat> not entirely sure what the uh, what the crack is for when the remaining playoff games will be played as the Scotland Ukraine game is the one that's holding things up from the European perspective. Is that is that because all the games were just one like one offs, weren't they? So is it being held up because it should have been played in Ukraine in Ukraine? I, think, I imagine it was due to be played in the Ukraine. Um, I don't know why they wouldn't have just switched the game to Scotland, but I think there is also the small matter of the players might be yeah, a little distracted as well, so they tried to probably well, delay it for, for an amount of fairness, but like it, it, it feels really harsh to say it because, like, you know, you, you, I feel like they kind of were, were biding their time to see if stuff got resolved a little quicker than maybe it has been, and it, it's going to reach a point where a decision is going to have to be made on that game because if you put Scotland through because of the situation, that makes them look bad, really, doesn't it, as well? So it's not exactly standing by that country if you're then going to dump their football team out for getting bombed. So Tough situation. Yeah, very difficult. But then like, like, likewise, you can't just say, well, we'll put them through because... <laughs> Then it's not fair on Scotland, so I really don't know what what the best course of action there is. It'll come down to some ridiculous rule that like was written hundreds of years ago that if the game can't be played, it'll be decided by a coin toss or something like that. Watch this space, I dare say. That's that's pretty much all I had, really. I'm the same I Derby stuff and the I knew the World Cup stuff but not not much has really happened this week ok um, so that brings us to any other business anything fun to finish on I couldn't really find anything this week the, the only one I found I kind of shared it around this thing was uh, Steve Hodge who used to play for Forest Um has just sold his, obviously, just about caught up with Maradona in time to uh, to swap shirts with him at the end of the '86 uh, uh, World Cup final, and has just sold said top for four million pounds at auction. Um, <clears throat> if you see, if you ever watched the '86 uh, game, or just just um, just watch the Maradona goals. Each of them, Steve Hodge is generally the guy that's jogging somewhere near him, trying to get somehow get close to him. There's one, there's one point I think in in the in the absolutely the unfortunate thing is about that game is obviously an absolute worldy of a goal, top ten greatest. I mean, you say definitely top ten World Cup goals. It's probably top ten goals of all time, kind of thing is punctuated at one point where Steve Hodge tries to make the already incredibly short Maradona about a foot shorter by taking him off at the knees, um, (laughs) to which Maradona skips past and then proceeds to kind of ghost his way in. There's another couple of very agricultural, shall we call it, attempts to bring him down. Who's the guy who, who finally like, hacks him down as he's scoring? Because it's that case of if the ball hadn't gone in, it's the most stick-on penner you've ever seen, ever. Is it Terry Fennick? Could be. I'll need to, I'll need to go back and watch it because I've, ne- I've never properly watched it. I've just seen it in clips. So like, but... I'm pretty sure it's Terry Fennick who was like the, uh, the, the England left-back at the time. It's one of the um... most horrific fouls I think I've ever seen. It's brutal. <laughs> Peter Reed. Peter Reed hacks at him once. Then, then 
Maradona leaves him behind. Then Peter Reid has another go at him and is left for dead. And then I think that's when Steve Hodge comes in and nearly takes him off at the knee. And then he keeps on going. And then Terry Fennick were right as he kind of sticks it in the back of the net. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, Nyon kills him. Obviously, then the hand of God is the... Uh, is the is the is the thing that he's remembered for from for that match, but obviously the goal, at, well, both goals and obviously the unfortunate passing of Maradona has led to uh, Steve Hodge holding. I mean, anyway, it was a significant piece of sports memorabilia, but obviously with the passing of Maradona, it's now become like the the must-have kind of thing. Hence. Four million pounds. Um, when, when you sent that article over earlier on, I had a little look through it, and one thing that I didn't realise was that <laughs> it said that it had been on loan at the National Football Museum for the last twenty years. So it's not that just that he's had it stashed in a cupboard and no one's been able to enjoy it. Like at least he's done that with it first, so people have had chance to see it. Um, which I've been to the National Football Museum, I think three times. I don't remember seeing it there, I have to be honest. So maybe they've had it stashed in the cupboard for the staff to enjoy. Um, but also the other bit that made me chuckle was the... Um, for the sale room, they had a description, because obviously you have to have... Um, like, it, it said... Oh, where is it? Well, just, I'm just... I lost it. It said, it said... The description was good overall condition... Consistent with heavy use, perspiration, and athletic activity. I mean, anybody would think they were selling a used football shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Something fun to end on. Uh, it's for me to say thank you to you, gentlemen, for taking these lovely people through the sometimes murky waters of the football world. And catch us next time when we're talking more football. Thank you, gentlemen, and goodbye. So there we go, what do you think to that? Another week of football games gone, another week of football games to come. That's how we like to roll, that's how we do it. Before you go, as a quick reminder, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You get podcasts everywhere now, we're all over the shop, uh, and a quick subscribe does mean a lot. You can also check out our website, cookiecast.com. There you'll find all social media links, email button, um, there's, there's pictures uh, there's all sorts of stuff check it out, drop us a line, let us know how you're getting on that's it for this one until next time, I'm going to say bye and I'll see you then